Hello, everybody. Thanks for uh, studying with us today. We're going to touch on a couple things. A carryover from last week is we talked about the technology and the radiation and this uh, war of technology that's being used by Satan to oppress the people. So I got a couple people that didn't get on last week, and they have a testimony. One is uh, the fake lion testimony. Hey, Carol from Carolina, are you out there? California. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah, would you please uh, give me that testimony that you were talking about? And I remember it now. You told me that when we were when I was a kid. But go ahead, explain to everybody what you went through back then, please. Well, um, my husband and I were living in Amsterdam, Holland, where we had a little hotel that we ran. And um, this was during the Cold War, during the 70s. And Amsterdam was a free port, which meant that both the communists and the capitalists could come. Americans could come, but Russians could come there too. And the Russians had set up a, a um, like a institute there where they were studying holograms. And uh, we had a maid in the hotel that was very, very smart. And after she finished her work with us, she went to get a job at that institute because she was interested in holograms. So one day she told us that, uh, did we want to come and see them? Because she could get us in to see this. And so we went. And it was quite amazing to see. Um, all of you walk into a room and all of these figures are standing against a wall and they look absolutely real. And the one that really amazed me the most was this enormous lion whose head was coming out of the, the wall. And he looked like, like he could bite us. And, but when you walked up to him, you could put your hand right through him because he wasn't real at all. He was a complete illusion that they had created uh, with light and whatever. And she told us that uh, the thing they were trying to do there was to create a hologram that didn't need a, a surface behind it because they wanted to create a fleet of warplanes that could fly in the sky with nothing behind it. Just, but it was a complete illusion. People on the ground would see them and think they were being bombed or attacked, but they were not real at all. And so we learned that. Yeah, well, we thank you for that because I wanted people to realize the technology here and what we are facing so that the technology doesn't fool people. And that's back in the 70s, folks. You know how long, how much further that's come along there. And uh, also, last week, uh, I was talking about our other studier who wasn't available to testify. I was talking about the fleet of drones that he saw on test night. PBS warned me, don't worry, it was PBS radio. We're doing a test nationwide tonight on our drones, so the sky's going to be lit up with them. And uh, I, took, I, I registered in my mind the, the warning, and then I got a call from J.D. Dawson. Jimmy, are you out there? Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Uh, would you please tell us uh, your story there about the uh, test on the drones, please? Well, I, it was February of 2020, like a month before the lockdown, and night sky, and I'm always outdoors. And I look up, and I see what looks like a shooting star moving through the sky. Then I see another, and another, and another. We start counting. I think we counted 22 that night. But they were moving in straight lines. Um at first, I thought I was watching some kind of secret military operation. I didn't know what, what I was seeing. So went home and researched it and found out about the Starlink satellite program by SpaceX. And what I was seeing was what's known as a, a Starlink satellite train. Uh, since then, they've become even more common. But every time you hear of a Falcon 9 rocket launch at Cape Canaveral, they're dumping batches of 40 to 60 drones out that are rotating, that are working in the low orbit. And they're all on 
these satellite planes, and they're trying to build a grid. They want to get somewhere between 12,000 and 40,000 satellites going, uh, gridding the whole world for what they're calling worldwide internet connection. Uh, but it is, my kids refer to them as the creepy satellites. Um, but if you really start paying attention to the night skies, you can even look online and look and see when you're expected to see them. Um, I've seen them early in the morning hours. I've seen them after dusk, fairly early, uh, when they're still really lit. Uh, but this is, this has been ongoing. If you think governments across the world aren't paying for it, I have a question for anybody that can answer this for me. During the height of the pandemic, when everybody and their brother was ordering from Amazon, Elon Musk overtook Jeff Bezos as the wealthiest man in the world. The only way for that to have been possible is if all these governments are paying SpaceX and Elon Musk billions of dollars for this Starlink satellite program they're building. But there's no other explanation for it. So it's something we need to be concerned about and we need to watch for. And it's something that I highly doubt is just for worldwide Internet connection. And and since then, one other thing to add to that, since then, in one night out feeding horses in the dark, we saw over 150 of them in one evening. So something to watch for if you haven't seen them yet. Jim, I've got something related to that. I just read an article yesterday morning, uh, and it said that they had the, the U.S. Uh, government here had pulled the funding for that uh, Starlink from Elon Musk. It was a total of eight hundred eighty-eight million, something like that. And then his mother was on and made a statement saying how upset she was about them pulling that funding because he's the only one out here trying to save the world and get everybody hooked up in rural areas to the internet. But that just came out yesterday. Listen, let's be real. Them drones ain't up there just for your internet connection. And by the time they want to get it in the immediate and they tell you they want to get the amount of drones up there, they're already up there, probably double, triple the amount. They're not telling us the real science at all. And let me tell you, those drones do all kinds of things. Look at the smoke. Look at the smoke when they invaded Gaza over there. I said, hell, that looked just like Akron, Ohio, when the forest fire was coming down. And smoking us up, that was military smoke. These things will wipe you out of your shoes. They have the, <laughs> listen. They're not here to help nobody. They're going to kill us all with it. Let's be real. The radiation, those rays coming down, microwave guns, all that is real. All that is the technology. It's, it, it, they do all kinds of things. They spray. <laughs> they, they create uh, microwaves. Okay. They're military grade. Like your 5G ain't here to help you. They can have communications without frying us. That 5G, among other things, gets you where you can't reproduce. That's not here to help you. None of this is here to help you. It's here to help Satan. It's here to help Satan, everybody. That's, that's who it's helping. And your job is to go ahead and die. Remember, dealing death is the nature of this beast. That's the bottom line. And to, create, and to destroy the world and destroy every creature. I don't care. Uh, Bill writes for the animals. The animals are dead. Your trees are dead. That's the work of Satan. I ain't going to fluff it up. That's, that's, that's a military-grade weapon. But it ain't going to do them any good. I'm going to the Bible now, in what Daniel 12 that I was told to read by the studies here. And, and Satan has zero chance of pulling this off. He is not going to destroy all flesh. He is not going to destroy the earth. Jesus Christ said there in the book of Second Ezra, I created the world with my word, and I will destroy it with a, my word. And no one else will do that. And I will recreate it in seven days again. 
rest on the seventh day. That's a Dutch Jesus Christ word. So Satan ain't going to get this off at all. And we want to remember that. And there's no better place to remember it than here in 12, a holy number, the number of the tribes of Israel, the number of the 12 apostles. Okay. So here we are. Is everybody there in Daniel chapter 12? As we get our, have a look at our victory here, among other things. And this comes from Michael, one of the archangels, one of the seven great cherubs that stand before the throne of God. Michael, the one that throws Satan out of heaven here during the tribulation. In 12, it says, And at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people. That's our friend. That's our great angel there, Michael. And there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that, that same time. And at that time, thy people shall be delivered. Everyone that shall be found written in the book. And that's the book of what? Christ's book of life that was written before he created the world and wrote your name in there, okay? And what he's describing here is called the Great Tribulation, the time of the seven vials. And the seventh of those vials is our victory. The sixth of those vials is the Great Gathering and the Battle of Armageddon. Okay, that's the timing of all this put together. Easy, easy, easy to understand. Now, listen. We just, what we tell you? That that's the great gathering. Well, look at the description in two. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. Okay? This is judgment day. This, <laughs> this is the resurrection, folks. Some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. So there we are. There's the great divide. The angels know who are God's sheep. They go on the right. The lefties go on the left the people that love Lucifer, and they'll get his benefits. Okay, but here we go. What? Why know all this stuff? Why not be stupid? Well, stupid and confused is leading you to hell. That's why. It led you to the jab, the mark of the beast there, and it will lead you to hell too. But the opposite of that is wisdom and understanding. Listen to this in three. From Michael the Archangel sticking up for the Holy Ghost here. It says, and they, in three, and they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. Now there's a, listen to me, that's where we're headed here. Through our plight, through our part of this struggle to be refined as gold for, for Christ in this world that we're describing here. It says here, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. So here we go. There we are. There's our growing process for the saints. Okay, now we can get a new paragraph mark in five. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. This is the river Ulai there in the Middle East, correct? That we saw in the earlier prophecies here in Daniel. And one said to the man clothed in linen, notice the linen, we're studying the old law in Exodus, okay? And now into Leviticus, and this linen is all through God's uh, replica of heaven on earth. Linen, fine twined linen. Okay, and six and one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, how long shall it be to the end of these wonders? Question mark. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven and swore by him that liveth forever, that's Jesus Christ, 
that it shall be for a time, times, and half. And when he and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. Okay. Notice how the power the power of the holy people scattered. So we're being oppressed by Satan out here. All this technology that that ain't to help nobody. Nobody. But this thing, uh, this this uh, hand, hands in the air. Go straight to Revelations ten five if you want to see that again. The time, times, and half a time is one thousand two hundred and ninety days from the abomination that maketh desolate there in Jerusalem to the final cleansing of the sanctuary. One thousand two hundred and ninety days. That's forty two months. That is time once, times twice, that's three and a half years. That Satan will rule with a strong rod of iron with his abomination that make it desolate. His talking shrine there on the Temple Mound, his, uh, on Mount Moriah, uh, his um, Antichrist has the false prophet. So those three, that unholy triad, and here's the dragon involved in it. They have 42 months, that's it. In eight it says, and I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, oh my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Question mark. And he said, go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Okay. There's no reason for anybody not to understand every word that I'm saying here. And I'm sure most of you do. But if there's something you need clarified, this is so easy. This is so easy to understand. Get rid of the theologians and all the churchiology mumbo jumbo and read the Bible. This is easy. And if you need help, all these cable people can help you. This is easy. We've been over it a million times. A million times. It's easy to understand. And notice here, it's going to be at the time of the end when the total understanding's out here. How blessed are we to be here? Now listen to this, what it says about us here. Me, you, all of us. Many shall be purified. That's the process we're going through now with this plight with Satan, with Lucifer on the attack and us uh, going from here to the day of the Lord. We're being purified like gold. Okay, in 10, many shall be purified and made white and tried. This is our trial here. Are we going to get the mark of the beast? Or are we going to put our faith in Yahshua? Okay, but listen to this about the people that are swallowing all this down. They love their world government. But the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand but the wise shall understand. So if somebody says they don't understand, well then saddle up on the podcast, go to one of these table people. They'll, t they'll explain it. It doesn't matter. Do all the above because there's no reason for you not to understand these scriptures. Because if you don't understand, what does it say here? And none of the wicked shall understand. So if you want to know why you run into a brick wall out here, well, there's your reason. Because there's, no, hey, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. Anybody can understand these things. And if you don't, then you're falling under this here in verse 10. Has to be. All right, but listen to this. The abomination, what did I say? From the abomination that make it desolate to the final cleansing. And from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Okay, what did I just say? There it is again. Blessed is he that waiteth. That's what we're doing. We're patiently waiting for God's kingdom and come and cometh to the thousand. 305 and 30 days. Well, what's that? That's the newly regenerated earth, folks. 
from the time the abomination is set up there, the talking shrine, the dragon given them the power, the Antichrist figure, and the uh, false prophet, when time that's set up, this is to the recreated earth here. That's spitting distance. And and I got somebody here saying, what, no rapture? Uh, He's mocking, because the rapture, that's just Satan's work. That was put out by Satanists and to deceive the masses. Okay, listen to this in 13. It says, but go thy way, but go thou thy way till the end be, for thou shalt rest and stand in the locked at the end of days. If you got a King James and it don't say the lot, if it says your lot, that is a mistranslation. It's the lot. And what is the lot? It is 78,000 square furloughs. I'm sorry. Why do I do that? It's 72,000, a Septuagint square furloughs. It's as wide as it is tall. That's like having three states there, Illinois, Indiana, and Ohio, all in one big box. That's the new Jerusalem temple. So it's the lot, not your lot. See? And uh, that makes a whole different meaning to this, because it's uh, not about us having our own little lot. We're here in, in with Christ in the 72,000 square furloughing. New Jerusalem, temple of God, made without hands, all right? And if you want to see that, go to the last page of uh, Ezekiel. Add it up. There it is. Okay, now with that in mind, we're going to go on with uh, more of the the teachings over the symbology of the New World Order, uh, the uh, effects of it, the uh, symbols of it. And we're going to go to once again to Ralph Epperson, and he was back in the 70s also, while her uh, image was uh, growling at her from the wall there. Ralph was writing these books. I think this book here is about the mid-80s or whatever. It's called The New World Order. And here we are, without any further ado, a great studier, good friend. And here he is again this week, back by popular demand, The Midget. Mr. Midget, we talk a lot about obelisks on this uh, study, and uh, I'm going to read today from the book, The New World Order, by A. Ralph Epperson. He does a chapter on uh, obelisks. If you notice, obelisks are everywhere. Uh, You know, when, uh, when I was a kid, I never really noticed. You know, you start noticing these things as you become, you you get wisdom and understanding. And you can go by any cemetery, whether it be Catholic cemetery at a church cemetery or a Protestant, and you're going to see obelisks there. So it really has no uh, denominational uh, significance. Also, they use this symbol in so much of Hollywood and even on your evening news. I can't tell you how many times I've seen the evening news on, on all kinds of different stations opens with a, a, a shot of an obelisk. And it's usually here, the Washington Monument. But uh, ironically, I was going to do this uh, report today and I was watching a movie last night. It was called The Town with uh, Ben Affleck, and it's about these bank robbers. It takes place in Boston. So at the opening of the movie, what do they have? This obelisk right there in Charlestown Square. It's supposed to be a monument there to commemorate the Battle of Bunker Hill. And it's 220 feet, 21 feet tall. But Five or six times throughout the movie, they just kept giving a shot of this obelisk for, you know, no reason at all. Or was there a reason? Now I'm going to read from Ralph. The Masons have admitted that they use symbols 
to conceal important truths from their fellow Masons. Previous chapters have examined two of the major Masonic symbols, the star and the sun. Other Masonic symbols need to be examined as well. One of these symbols is the obelisk. The word is defined by a dictionary as a tall, four-sided stone pillar tapering toward its pyramidal top. There are three of these major importance in the world today. Of course, there's more than three. They're all over the world. One in Washington, D.C. called the Washington Monument, another one in Central Park in New York City, and the third in the Vatican, located in Rome, Italy. The first major ob obelisk is in St. Peter's Square in Rome, Italy, and is placed in such a way that every pope who addresses any crowd in the square must face the obelisk. The second major obelisk was brought to New York from its location in Alexandria, Egypt, and placed in Central Park in New York City in 1881. The four sides of this obelisk are covered with Egyptian hieroglyphics. And these drawings have been translated by a variety of Egyptologists, including some Masonic writers. The Masons have told the readers of one of its publications that this obelisk is quarried to praise and adore the divinity of the sun, worshiped by the ancient Egyptians as the source of light and life. It is a representation of the god Ra, or the sun. So there is a symbol of the sun in Central Park, in the heart of New York City. The third major obelisk is the Washington Monument, which was constructed to honor George Washington, the first president of the United States. President Washington was an active and public member of the Masonic Lodge. The monument built in his honor is the tallest such monument in the world, 550 feet high. That's what's exposed above the ground. Though not truly an obelisk, because it is not quarried from a single piece, but put together from 36,000 separate blocks of granite faced with marble. This obelisk is a symbol that has definite Masonic connections. It was constructed many years after the president's death on December 14, 1799, as it was not until 1833 that the Washington National Monument Society was organized to erect a monument in his memory. The monument was not completed until 1848 when the 3,300 pound capstone was set in place. Another significant number there, 33. The weight of the capstone appears to be semi-symbolic, utilizing the number 33 as a reminder of the 33 degrees inside the Masonic order. The obelisk was constructed of a total of 36,000 separate blocks and included 188 memorial stones inside the monument. Donated to the society by individuals, societies, cities, states, and nations of the world. Approximately 35 of these came from Masonic lodges. And the last of these blocks was placed into the monument at the 330 foot level. Another 33. Once again, the number 33 shows up in the construction of the obelisk. And once again, it is semi-concealed in a fact about its construction. Total cost of the monument concealed another Masonic number. This time, the number 13. The cost of the entire monument was $1,300,000. There are other Masonic secrets concealed in the numbers relating to the eight windows in the monument, two on each side. Six of these windows are of the same size, but the seventh and the eighth, the two facing the east, are larger. It will be remembered that the Masons have stated that it is in the East that their master sits. So the East has special significance to them. The eight windows total 39 square feet in size, and 39 is three times the Masonic number 13. But the two windows facing the East conceal another reference 
to the number 13. The student of geometry will remember that the sum of the squares of the base and perpendicular in a right angled triangle is equal to the square of the hypotenuse, meaning the third side is the hypotenuse. The example often cited to prove that truth is the triangle with the three sides being three inches, four inches, and five inches in length. The square of the two sides, the sides that are three and four in length, are nine and 16. And the total of those two squares is equal to the square of the five inch side or 25. Each of the two windows in the east are two feet by three feet, and the square of the third side is 13. The square of two is four, and the square of three is nine. The total of four and nine is 13. The number 13 appears to be a very symbolic number to the Masons, but finding out why it has become a difficult chore. One clue is contained in the Bible in the book of Genesis. The book records in Genesis 14:4 that it was the 13th year that an amalgamation of various kings rebelled against their leader. It will be recalled that Lucifer rebelled against God in the heavens, and some historians equate the number 13 with the rebellion and Lucifer. Stan Dale is one author who explained that the number 13 had a very definite meaning. He wrote this in his book entitled The Cosmic Conspiracy. 13 is the value assigned to represent Satan the serpent, the dragon, the tempter, or rebellion. So the Washington Monument, dedicated to the memory of a mason, conceals many Masonic symbols inside its obelisk form. But there is an extremely important meaning that has not been explained by modern historians. As has been illustrated, the masons have placed a particular importance on the obelisk, primarily because it has its root in the ancient times in Egypt. However, there is another reason, one that is far more important. The first connection is the, to the past. Carl Claudy, the Masonic writer, wrote this. The initiate of old saw in the obelisk the very spirit of the God he worshipped. So according to this Masonic writer, the obelisk is a symbol of a God that was worshipped by the believers of the ancient mysteries. It has been shown that those involved in the ancient mysteries worshiped Lucifer. But a far more important reason was revealed to those careful enough to note the importance of the revelation. Mr. Claudie then added this comment. From the dawn of religion, the pillar, monolith, or built up, has placed an important part in the worship of the unseen. In Egypt, the obelisk stood for the very presence of the sun god himself. And we know that is Osiris. And Ra. And Baal. And Baal. That's correct. He repeated these very words in another section of the same book. In Egypt, the obelisk stood for the very presence of the sun god himself. He went on to repeat this statement that the initiate of old saw in the obelisk the very spirit of the god he worshipped. Mr. Claudie revealed that the obelisk is a symbol of the sun god and implied that this very deity is present inside the stone itself. The obelisk stands for the very presence of the sun god, and the sun god is Lucifer. Mr. Pike confirmed this statement in his book entitled Morals and Dogma. The obelisk was consecrated to the sun, and Kenneth Mackenzie, a third Masonic writer, added this supporting statement. Sun worship was plainly connected with the erection of obelisks. They were placed in front of the temples of Egypt. They referred to the worship of the sun. And Mr. Mackey, a fourth Masonic writer, offered this comment. Obelisks were, it is supposed, originally erected in honor of the sun god. So obelisks are a symbol of the very presence of the sun god himself. This is an explanation that is not offered to the overwhelming majority of the American people. Yet one of the major monuments in Washington, D.C. is an obelisk, and it was erected to honor George Washington, a very visible member of the Masonic Order. And the Masons have concealed various esoteric numbers inside the blocks of the monument itself. 
and uh, that's what I have. I'm not going to read the rest. It's uh, about President Reagan and his uh, inaugural address. Okay. All right, well, let me add a little bit to that, please. Okay. Because uh, that obelisk that went to Rome <laughs> is an Egyptian obelisk that was first taken and made the Temple of Osiris, which was the first Constantine church. There was two of them. And they came from Egypt. So they're originally from Egypt. So one went to Rome, as, as uh, Epperson says, but the other went to the Thames River for the Protestant end. We say, well, there was no Protestants back then. That's true. It doesn't matter. It's a grand conspiracy within the religion. It just is. And he's wrong about it. It ain't 550 feet. It's 555 feet. No, you said 550 feet. It's 555 feet, and there's 111 feet below ground. That makes 666 feet in your obelisk there in front of Washington. And then the great pool that's in front of it. You see, the image of it goes down into the water, and that's and this stands for as above, so below. See? And, and, and that. And the number 13, that's an easy one. That's a slam dunk. And hang on the rim and do chin-ups. Listen to me. 13 represents the tribe of Dan. The exiled tribe of Dan in Satanism. Because they're not there at the New, New Jerusalem Temple. No. They're out a lot outside the temple. That's no good, is it? The tribe of Dan was kicked out. So 13 is the 13th tribe in Satanism. It's also the exiled apostle to these people. Their hero, Judas. Was Judas a good guy? He's the 13th apostle. It's also the Merovingian bloodlines that it represents. There's 13 of those bloodlines that all mesh together, they call themselves Davidic seed. Okay? So there's all those numbers there for everyone. Now, uh, the other obelisk was taken to the, the Thames River, and that was involved in the Protestant movement. You see? So, Again, Constantine didn't say, hey, let's uh, make all the pagans be Christian. No, 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 no. We couldn't stamp these scoundrels out in 330 years. So let's absorb them. So we took all their holidays. We took their occult calendar. And when it comes to that obelisk there in Washington, D.C., another thing Ralph didn't say there, not that I, 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 Ralph was way ahead of his time. This was a long time ago when he wrote that. The sun is right over that obelisk from standing on the, the, the monument there. You stand on there. And when does it hover over the top of the uh, great obelisk? The sun lines up on July 4th. On July 4th. You see, that's the whole key to this. The, the obelisk represents the phallic symbol. Satan's seed. Now, when the circumcision was given, it was to remove that God off of that obelisk. Now, listen to me. I can go into thousands of these satanic images where the God's sitting on his throne on top of the obelisk. That's the foreskin of the penis. That's, that's where their God sits. How do you like that? So, Abraham, remove that foreskin as a symbol that we will not have anything to do with the Canaanite angel worship, Nephilim, Rephium, giant worshiping religion of Canaan. We're removing the foreskin. Okay? So, when that sun or the moon or the star gets over the pyramid, the paramount, or the obelisk, that represents putting that God, Horus, the divine child. And when he's, and, and, and Ralph here was describing the Pythagorean theorem. And what he, that there's a whole nother meaning to that. 
So you go back to the Egyptian uh, pyramids and that Pythagorean theorem dedicated to Pythagoras is over the divine child. Here's the king's chamber, the queen's chamber, and over here to the side is the divine child. And when he's up on top of that obelisk, that represents putting that foreskin back on top of the penis. We want that God of Canaan. That's what it says. So there's a, and when I say that there's a 666 feet total there in Washington, D.C., that's on their shrine. Hell, people went up and filmed it. Okay, oh, there's a hundred, and there's a top of an obelisk that's in the ground. And when you walk up, you see this, this uh, top of their uh, underground obelisk sticking out of the ground. And it says there's 111 feet here. And you walk over, whoa, there's a, a 550, that's 666 total feet. And what does that represent? That number goes all the way back to Lucifer, back to Babylon and before. You see all the shrines, all the monoliths, all the megaliths from pre-flood all line up with this same religion. And when he says, we face the sun on the obelisk, we, why do they face the east? That's the sunrise. That's when we want the obelisk to line up there at the sunrise. Because we worship the sun, but we don't worship the sun. We worship the force that comes out of the sun. See, there's, when, when, you're, when you're first an initiate, you say, okay, the sun, there it is, the sun, we're worshiping the sun or the moon or whatever, and that's God. And you, you go up in degrees and you go to the rituals and you're being dumbed down. And then you finally hit a certain amount of degrees and they say, no, 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 no. We lied to you. It's not the sun. It's not the moon. It's not those stars. It's the force that comes out of them. That's God. God of forces. So you go on the God of forces and you do all your rituals and the alignments, all this, all the heavenlies align up there and you're gaining the force and you're gaining in your witchcraft. And then finally the, the great sorcerer says, no, 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 no. That ain't God either. That's one of the gifts of God. That's the unholy ghost that you're getting. There's God is coming and he's a fallen star. And his name is Lucifer. His name is Nibiru, Nebo, Sirius. Those are all the names of this fallen star that they're waiting. They're waiting for that, that star. That's what the telescope on top of the Indian Mound in Arizona. They had to have the porthole, the sacred place for the Indians, where they contacted these devils all those centuries. They had to have that for their mega telescope. And what are they hunting for up there? One, they're hunting for their god Nebo, who's Lucifer. Just another name for him. He, remember one thing when it comes to Satan. This is a quote by Satan from Satanists. I have no sacred name. I'm the god of the wind. Quote from Satan. So he has many names, he says. <laughs> so there we are. We just gave you a few. The other thing, and he's talking about the Masons. The Masons have a star, a wicked star, they say, that's headed for Earth. And there they are looking for it. Well, I thought the Catholics and the uh, Masons are opposite each other. Get out of here. At the top, they're all one. Every secret society in the world is all the same at the top. And we're giving you the top level of it here. What do they say? This not not Lucifer, not Sirius. No, 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 no. We're talking about something else we're looking for up there. What is it? What is it that the Masons are looking for? They say there's a wicked planet headed our way. And what do they call it? The New Jerusalem. Did you hear what I just said? They're looking for the new Jerusalem because that is their enemy. 
That's why they face the why those windows face the east because it's the sunrise for ritual. What it is, and you can't sit here and say, "Well, this was sent to the Catholics," and leave out that one that was sent up here to the Thames River because they both came off the same temple in Egypt. They both were shipped down there to the Constantine's temple to Osiris where they flipped the sign down and said, now this is Christian, and we took all their holidays. We took all their occult holidays here. And this all ties into the ufology movements. And that's another reason for this technology we're talking about here. Folks, they're out here, they can make it look, those rolling electric clouds that I'm talking about, the 5G rollout, this... It's not a fake war. It's just that they're using old-fashioned military stuff when the new technology is out here to fight a new kind of war. What's killing the people? The jab, the needle, the radiation and the chemtrail spraying. I don't care. There ain't enough bullets in the world to kill that many people. That's what they're killing. And listen, the third year was when the death's going to start. And the death's through the roof. Everyone's got ageliosis. Everyone's limping around. Hey, we know a lady, she went in and got the jab and her tendons all let loose on her knee. That's just one example of it. And it's the gift that keeps giving. And we're going to see death now in this country. Look here. What did we say? What did, and I'm going to use his name here because I don't use names, but I will this one, Fritz Springmeier. They want it down to 65 million people in the United States. And that's with a border drop where millions of people are coming across the border into this country to do what? To fill the slave camps up. I'm going to tell you this. It's real. I know somebody delivered the light poles 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. FEMA camps are everywhere in this country. And the Club of Rome, which was the Royal Institute for the International Affairs, and it's now the Club of Rome, 1952, Feast of the Beast. Am I going too fast? There, the UFOs hovered over Washington. It was all in the media. And our parents who didn't, <laughs> oh, yeah, UFOs. Well, I thought you guys were Christians. Oh, no, UFOs. They're hovering over Washington. Well, we'll send in the air. Oh, we couldn't catch them. We couldn't shoot them down. The UFOs were all there. And just like that, the head of the Antichrist, Lockheed Martin, came out and started his ufology movement. So did uh, the uh, rocket scientists, their Parsons. They started the big ufology movements. All this came out to brainwash the public. You've got this marriage between fallen angels and technology. And folks, it's always been there. Now, we went through Enoch. I'm going to tell you something. The Dead Sea Scrolls are so full of Enoch, fragments of Enoch. You can't deny it. Enoch is married to our doctrine. It doesn't debate our doctrine. It doesn't hurt our doctrine in any manner. And I've been through it, and it's all on podcast. Every chapter, every jot and tittle of it, and there is nothing in there that is against our Bible. But what is it against? What is in the book of Enoch? <laughs> it's against the devil and his fallen angels, and the Nephilim and the giants. That's what we're up against here. And if you think they, they, they're bringing those immigrants here to help them, this is, they're creating a prison planet. And the United States is a big tip of the spear of the, of, of, of the prison planet. Now, obelisks are everywhere. And they're in every religion. These are fake religions, by the way. Uh, the Bible says real religion is what? To do kind to the fatherless and the widow and do not be tainted by the world. That's real religion according to the Bible. 
you don't have to go uh, bring in your tithe uh, sheep, your unblemished sheep anymore. Now, if you want to do that, okay, but that's not a requirement. The requirement and now that well, Christ is getting ready to return is for us to not be tainted by the world. We're in the world, we're not of the world. That's a quote from Grandma. In the world, but we're not of the world, and we're not going to take be our partaker in any of Parsons, ufology, religions, because it's a religion, and the dummy Darwin, dumbass religion. <laughs> and you know that's going bye-bye. Didn't you read it? Didn't they, no one hear the protocols where they said we gave everybody that Darwinism? And they, they used the name Darwin, and Darwin wasn't even born yet. It's all a play act. It's hard for people to get their mind around that. How did Nostradamus predict this war thousands of years ago? Was he not sitting in the think tank of the rich man's castle? Yes, he was. He was a muckety muck. How did he write the name Hitler? as he predicted Hitler, because it's all been planned. I don't care whether it's Alice Bailey, she talked about it, or her father talked about it, or Albert Pike and his father talked about it. All this stuff has been talked about because it's a, it's a well-designed plan from Lucifer. That's what it is. Now, uh, Anybody's got anything else to say here at the table that they would like to bring up here? You're welcome to do that. And phone people, you are too. In, in the meantime, uh, we'll go to, uh, if no one has anything else to say here, let's go to Matthew then. Go to St. Matthew. St. Matthew chapter 6. And we're going to do what? Isn't that where the Lord's Prayer is at? Okay, yeah, that's where the Lord's Prayer is at. Okay, because the uh, apostles, they come in, they want to know how to pray. How do we pray? Do we have a mantra? Hey, I need some breath. Do we have a mantra that we just repeat over and over to give us some magic power? How do we pray, they, they ask him. Now, they've been with him all this time. He actually, um, was a stone's throw away at times. He did some prayer uh, in his closet. Okay. Um, so here his apostles have asked him, how do we pray? Okay, and then, so it's in 6-6. Six, six. It says, uh, well, no, let's go back to 5. It says, and when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Again, people want to do these open uh, prayers. They want to hold hands in a circle. None of that's biblical. Christ himself is teaching us to pray here. And it's a closet prayer. That is the powerful prayer. Not the one where you're holding hands in a circle. You know, that came from the other side of the fence, folks. You know, that's what the pagans do. You know, that's what the witches do. But when thou prayest, Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father which is in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions, there's your mantra, as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. But in 8, it says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Okay. Heaven, that's the third heaven. That's the North Star. 
There's one that's coming to earth, plumb line to earth. Hallowed be thy name. Yah is the name. Remember, J and H and I are all interchangeable in Old English back before the printing press and even here after the printing press here in the new in the uh, new uh, way of not scribing it, but printing it. How will be thy name? That's why you say Jesus. Remember Ezra and Esdras. Because one comes out of Greek, the other out of Hebrew. So there is a little difference in the names. So that's why T was Yah. The J was Y. Yah. And instead of saying, it, it's not Zeus. It's Yah, like Ezra and Esdras, or Jeremiah and Jeremiah. Ah is the name of God, yes. But see, in the Greek, when it comes out, it comes out with the A-S. Esdras, Isaiah. So there you have Jesus, but it's actually Yah, it's pronounced Yah. And therefore, you got Yahweh and Yahshua. It's not Joshua, the way we've been taught to pronounce Joshua. It's Yahshua. Okay, so how it be his name? We know who we're talking about. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's the second coming. Not just the kingdom of God that's in us, the spirit, the Holy Ghost in us, but his actual north star plumb line to earth. Give us this day our daily bread. Again, if you want storable food, fine. If that's what God put in you. But still, we want our daily bread. We want, we're going day by day. You can't live two days at the same time. We want to be fed. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Again, there it is, the forgiving of other people. That's all through the Bible, these things are. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. The great temptation is what? Get the jab, get the mark of the beast. Worship the dragon, worship the false prophet, worship the image in Jerusalem, worship the Antichrist, and he'll take care of you with your chip. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's the way God Almighty taught us to pray. Okay. Now, is there anybody else here at the table that would like to say anything before I sign out? One last chance. Okay. I want to announce to everybody that we're going into the roots and how we got the Bible, why we use the King James. What are the roots of the Old Testament Fake Bibles, where did they come from? Who was behind them? I'll give you a clue. There when, uh, in chapter 7 of Acts, there was a, some people that stoned Stephen. They were arguing with him. They were the Alexandrians. Okay, that's a clue. But anyway, we're going into the roots of our Bible. Why do we use the King James and why it's totally different than all other English Bible versions, period. We're going to go into that. Now, now, we're going to be reading the preference given by the translators. I can't read it all here. It's not practical. But I can go through and show you where these translators got what they had to do what they did back in 1611 and before. And that, my friends, is where we're headed. But if we haven't finished this particular study yet, we got another one, another Sunday to go on this. So that's hey, where Paul. we're headed. Yes, sir. Hey, before you close out, because of this deception and technology we're talking about and all the pre-trib rapture stuff, and since you're in Matthew there, can you really quick jump to Matthew 24 and read 29 through 35 just to kind of put that to bed because we know those deceptions are coming? My pleasure. My pleasure. 24 in the book of Matthew. 
And he said to read 29 through 35. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days. So you see that great gatherings after. There's lots of tribulation went on before this. That the sun be darkened and the moon shall not give her light and the stars shall fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken. Now, that goes throughout the Bible. Isaiah, Joel, Ezekiel, Luke, Mark, the whole clan, all of it. It's throughout the Bible. In 30, it says, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet. And they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. See, this is all creatures all angelic hosts, all of God's creation. On the left hand go the people of fallen Satan. On the right hand go the sheep, all of his creatures that love God. 32, it says, now learn a parable of the fig tree. When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when ye shall see all these things, Know that if it that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. All right. Okay. So with that in mind, here we are from Clinton, Ohio, from the midget, Harriet, Benzie, Bo, and myself. Till the next time, may the Holy Ghost go with every one of us. Bye-bye.